Hello again, my name's Andy, and I write children's fiction under the pseudonym A.P. Winter. This week we're going to be looking at another seemingly simple question. What makes a story seem plausible? When I was doing a school event with my first novel, a child put his hand up to ask a question. Excuse me, he said. What if there was a story where there was a big spaceship and then an even bigger spaceship and it crashed into the side of it and at this point he made the noise of a very big explosion? And that was the end of the question. Now I said that sounded like it would be cool, but what I didn't say was that as an incident it's going to need some work to make it feel like this is a necessary and understandable part of a story. It's going to need a few things building up to it to make it feel like part of a coherent whole. Aristotle says in his Poetics that if the presence of something has no discernible effect on a story, it is not part of the whole. And that, in a nutshell, is the heart of what we're talking about this time. There's a great comic by artist and writer Edward Gorey called The Object Lesson, which neatly takes us through a series of strange panels. I recommend looking up the images online, but here's a brief example of the story with dramatic pauses for where the pictures change. Meanwhile, on the tower, Madame O, in conversation with an erstwhile cousin, saw that his moustache was not his own, on which she flung herself over the parapet and surreptitiously vanished. He descended, destroying the letter unread. If that doesn't make much sense, I suppose it's because it's not supposed to. That's the joke of the object lesson. It all seems like it's going somewhere very important, but nothing really goes anywhere at all. However, it does have a strange ring of real intrigue to almost every panel. In fact, it seems like a parody of the advice I've been giving about creating intrigue and making a strong plot using why questions. This is the idea that we simply prompt the reader to ask the question why and they'll stay interested. But that obviously isn't the whole story. Why questions create reasons for a reader to engage with the plot, but there are other forces at work that hold a story together. I'm not talking about all the facets of language that create great writing, but the more abstract ideas that create a sense of a plausible story taking place and how we can apply these to our scenes. Two big ideas I like to talk about besides why questions when it comes to constructing stories are choices and conflict. We'll come back to conflict and how it relates to theme next time, because it deserves a whole podcast of its own. But for now, let's talk about choice. Sid Meier, who is famous as a game designer, rather than a writer, says that any good game is a series of interesting decisions. 
that might seem simple, but it's an incredible way of thinking about all kinds of entertaining media, and it's a very useful way of considering how we tell stories. Choices get our attention in fiction. There can be big choices with big consequences, such as morality crises, Macbeth figuring out whether to kill a king, for example, or little choices that might not seem to have any implications at first, like Ishmael deciding which inn to sleep at in the beginning of Moby Dick, or choices that don't seem important to the character but do seem important to the reader, like Edmund deciding to eat Turkish delight offered by a seemingly nice lady in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In this case, because we've read the title of the book, and he hasn't. But to make any of these choices part of the story, we have to understand that a choice is being made, and be free to anticipate and observe its consequences in a clear way as the story progresses, even if we can't be sure where it will ultimately lead. There's a real neatness to choices in stories. They provide a clear sense of actions leading to consequences, so that even if we're creating lots of intrigue and leaving lots of questions open to the reader, we're still grounded in the feeling that the story makes sense and is taking us somewhere interesting. Detective fiction is filled with this kind of reassuring hand-holding, However big and confusing the central mystery might be, we always have a sense of a character choosing little actions, where to go, who to talk to next, what risks to take, who to trust, all with a sense that the consequences, good or bad, will continue to flow towards a conclusion. In basic terms, knowing that a choice is being made in one scene helps us to understand what is taking place in the next. It stitches the story together and helps it all feel like it belongs together in one representation. I'm not suggesting that you include long, waffling passages about the characters in a world and them determining what course to take. In fact, the first inkling of a decision being made is often a good place to move to the next scene, and some of the best uses of choice are very subtle. A good example comes from the beginning of an Akira Kurosawa movie called Yojimbo. Our main character is a wandering samurai. He has no reason to go anywhere in particular. He's not on a quest. He doesn't seem to have any obligation to anyone or anything. So when we're introduced to him, how can we get to the next scene in a meaningful way without throwing in lots of unnecessary drama? How can you show a careless character while at the same time reassuring the audience that this story is going somewhere interesting. Well, in the opening image, he stands at a literal fork in the road. He's unsure of which path to take. Rather than waste time in consideration, he picks up a stick and tosses it into the air. When it has landed, he takes the path that it points down. This image is still showing as a careless man with no place to call home. He doesn't have a grand plan or a great journey that he has to complete. But even in depicting his carelessness, it makes the idea of choice clear to the viewer. There is another path he could have taken. And, 
It stitches this first scene together with those that follow, because we're alert to that fateful decision as the following scenes show him walking into a particularly dangerous town. We, as the audience, don't stop to ask, why is he here, or even, where was he before? Instead, we have the settled image of a stick pointing the way down a fork in the road. We want to see the next choice that it will lead to, and where all of these choices will ultimately lead by the end. It sounds simple, but the idea that your characters are making a series of decisions to get them from scene to scene can be easy to forget, and its omission is often the root cause of a flagging story or little sense of cohesion between scenes. Once you understand that choices cause most things to happen in stories, it makes the whole concept of what we should be showing in each scene clearer. There's a strange sense of closure to choices, too, a sense that this event has caused this event, so that's settled. Your mind is free to escape from whatever tensions that choice was setting up. What's done is done, in a way, and you're now ready for the next fork in the road. Interestingly, once you have a sense of a choice being prompted, you can leave a big gap in a story and have your audience ready to follow the thread when it's next picked up. For example, you can have something bad happen to a character and for them to vow revenge, and then immediately jump to ten years later with that person seeking revenge, without losing your audience. It works on a sequitur basis. It doesn't matter how confusing the chronology might be, because it follows from something clear. Seeing where choices stem from, that they're not just spontaneous and erratic, not only helps the scenes click together neatly, it also helps assure us that characters seem real or make sense. We can talk more about how this relates to character another time, but for now it's enough to know that it seems to be part of how we understand ourselves and our world, even if our own lives and our experience of the real world isn't always so simple. Batman is a great example of choices grounding a story, in my opinion. I might be misremembering, but I think most adaptations choose to show Batman having a scary experience with some bats when he's a child, and also show him becoming an orphan due to the actions of a nasty criminal. So, when we see him as an adult, fighting criminals while dressed as a bat, there's a sense of acceptance. However outlandish this would seem to an outsider, as an audience we can look at it and say, yeah, that makes sense, of course he's fighting criminals while dressed as a bat. We can only imagine the confusion all these criminals must feel, not knowing any of the backstory themselves. What I'm trying to get at is that choices ground a story in a sense of reasonableness and continuity, even if you're dealing with very outlandish circumstances and strange events. Choices, or a sense of a choice needing to be made, are important as a way to bridge gaps in a story. They connect what might otherwise remain disparate threads, especially if you're setting up lots of why questions and seeding lots of intrigue. If the sense of plot is about incidents that provoke questions, this sense of plausible progression 
is about actions that provoke consequences. Of course, some big choices hover in the background of a story without being immediately resolved one way or another. They build anticipation. They give a sense of something that needs to be addressed at some point. But again, this is just a magnified version of what we talked about in terms of stories as a series of interesting decisions. You're just building up a sense of why the decision is interesting, and perhaps building up a sense of the potential consequences too. And even if your story relies on one big decision that needs to be made, you can guarantee that there will be lots of little decisions taking place in each scene. I'm really getting to the edge of talking about conflict here, which we'll address in more detail next time, but I think we can talk about one last example to show these small decisions in action. In Hamlet, we see a young prince who isn't sure how to take revenge on his uncle for the probable murder of his father. And it's fair to say that Hamlet spends a lot of time talking about his uncertainty and how he isn't able to make a choice. Critics sometimes point to this strange state of affairs, how it's somehow not doing what stories should do by depicting a person's inactivity. But there's a trick going on here. Yes, there's one big decision that isn't being made, but in the scene by scene we have a sense of lots of little choices leading to consequences just like any story. We have Hamlet choosing to go and look at a ghost that his friend Horatio has seen, finding that the ghost really is his father and is out for revenge. We see his hesitation over whether to tell his friends what the ghost told him, and deciding not to. And we see him determining to pretend he has gone mad, as a way to protect himself from suspicion while he figures out what to do. We also see him choosing to get some actors to perform a special play, to catch the conscience of his uncle. By the way, if you're not familiar with Hamlet, I'm not making any of this up. The point is, yes, he hasn't quite figured out how or when or even if he will take his revenge, but that doesn't mean that there aren't clear choices that take us from scene to scene. In fact, I'd say that him making these choices is the only thing that makes a play about someone who's seen a vengeful ghost and pretends to be mad, and then puts on a weird play, makes sense. It's all connected by Hamlet's choices. In the Sid Meier model, we're watching someone play a very interesting and perhaps unexpected game. But it still has that logic that any good game, or any good story, should possess to make it feel whole. Aristotle also in Poetics, says that a plausible impossibility is preferable to what is implausible, but possible. I'd say that makes a lot of sense to writers, especially once you've figured out that what makes something plausible is a sense of choices getting us there. That's it for this time. I could go on about this stuff for hours, but I've got to save something for future episodes. And on that note, I've been surprised and thrilled to see just how many people have accessed this podcast. 
I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened, and especially to everyone who's shared the episodes and left nice reviews. It makes a big difference, and it's actually persuaded me to continue recording episodes. Also, thank you to those of you who've got in touch over Twitter or via my website. To address one listener question directly for Ant, I didn't stop podcasting out of sense of irony, fun as that would be, and I am sorry for the hiatus. Next time, I'll be talking about conflict and theme in stories. I hope you'll join me then.